Well, I mean, it's a special day as we uh, celebrate Mother's Day and um, all that we're thankful for on this special Lord's Day, this Mother's Day. Um, if you've got your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we're going to stand and look at this passage. Sometimes moms come in and they're like, I don't know if I want to come and hear a sermon on Mother's Day because it just seems like there's such an impossible standard, you know, you've got to get beat up by the Proverbs 31 woman again or something like that. Uh, sometimes life can just throw you a lot of curveballs and, and it can be tough and we need to be reminded no matter what season of motherhood or season of life for the rest of us we're going through, we need to be reminded greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And uh, I, I pray that you'll find some encouragement this morning, moms, as we look at this passage, and uh, beginning with verse 7, it says, We have this treasure in clay pots or jars of clay, so that the extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. Moms, we want to tell you this morning, you are a treasure, and there is a treasure in you. We are pressured in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry the death of Jesus in our body, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who live are always given over to death because of Jesus, so that Jesus' life may also be revealed in our mortal flesh. So death works in me, but life in you. Now that's a, a statement that, that might relate to, to uh, childbirth and bringing up children as much as anything. Death works in me, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith in a accordance with what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak, knowing that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and present us with you, for all this is because of you, that grace extended through more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to God's glory. Therefore, we do not give up. And so moms, I want to encourage you this morning, don't give up. <laughs> Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. Father, we thank you for what you are doing in each and every one of us. We thank you for the fact that you have placed that treasure in all of us. And I pray for every mom and every believer here this morning that they would sense that they are truly a treasure box for you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Read something called The Evolution of Motherhood that I wanted to share with you by way of introduction this morning. And I thought of a couple that, that really might precede this that I've heard all along, especially applies to those who are like my mom. And I want to say happy Mother's Day to my mom this morning. And she had three children. And this is very appropriate for those of you who have three children or perhaps more children. Now, some of these you have heard before. We've talked about uh, even in the office with pa Pastor Ben talking about his children, enjoying watching them grow up. But how, you know, things like a, a pacifier with the first child. This is the evolution of the pacifier with children, right? The first child, you know how it works. If, you, uh, if a child drops a pacifier, you go and you put it in boiling water, you sanitize that thing, and you let it cool off, and you give it back to them. With the second child, if they drop the passy, you pick it up, you lick it off, and you put it back in their mouth. And then with a third child, if they drop it, you just pick it up and shove it right back in their mouth. That's the evolution 
uh, of motherhood there. That's, that's the process. Or, or maybe there are other areas, and, and I wanted to share some of, the, some of these, and you can tell me if that kind of relates to you. I can see this having happened with, the, uh, with my siblings. I was fortunate enough to be the firstborn and um, probably get a little more attention, uh, be a little bit more spoiled along the way. No, that's the last one. They're always more spoiled. Um, but with clothes, the first baby, you begin wearing maternity clothes as soon as you, uh, or as soon as your OBGYN confirms that you're pregnant. You're so excited, you start to wear maternity clothes. With the second baby, you wear your regular clothes for as long as you possibly can. And then you begin to wear your maternity clothes. With the third baby, your maternity clothes are your regular clothes. <laughs> The baby's name. With the first baby, you pour over baby name books and practice pronouncing and writing combinations of all your favorites. With the second baby, someone has to name his or her kid after that great aunt, so it might as well be you. The third baby, you open a book, close your eyes, see where your finger falls. With the first baby, this has to do with preparing for the birth. With the first baby, you practice the Lamaze breathing, breathing religiously. With the second one, you don't bother practicing because you remember that the last time breathing didn't help a bit. With the third baby, you ask for an epidural when you get to the eighth month. What about washing their clothes? You pre-wash your newborn's clothes with the first baby, color coordinate them, and then you fold them neatly in the baby's little burro. In the second baby, you check to make sure that the clothes are clean and discard only the ones with the darkest stains. With the third baby, boys can wear pink, can't they? Worries, first baby, the first sign of distress, a whimper, a frown. You pick up the baby and begin to rock. With the second baby, you pick up the baby only when her wells threaten to wake up your firstborn. With the third baby, you teach your three-year-old how to rewind the mechanical swing. Anybody guilty of that one? Uh, let me just let me share one more with you. Going out with the first baby, the first time you leave your baby with a sitter, you call home five times while you're gone. The second baby, just before you walk out the door, you remember to leave a number where you can be reached in case of an emergency. With the third baby, you leave instructions to the sitter, only call us if you see blood. Anybody would agree with those? Just raise your hand and say, that's the evolution of motherhood. Well, it can be tough to be a mom. It can be, a, be tough to be a parent. But you know, that kind of goes along with being a Christian, being a Christ follower in a world that's contrary to everything that we stand for can be tough. Alan Redpath, who has written many books, was a great commentator and, and, and pastor. He gave up lucrative opportunities as a, a British businessman. He became a pastor, eventually came to the States and, and, and pastored the great historical Moody Church of Chicago and would sacrifice much along the way. And he titled his commentary, interestingly, on 2 Corinthians, he, he titled it, Blessings Out of Buffetings. And, and that title stood out to me as I was looking at uh, his commentary on 2 Corinthians and studying this particular passage this week, blessings out of buffetings. And I thought, can anything describe motherhood more than blessings out of buffetings? To be buffeted is to be continually uh, beaten upon or whipped by something, but blessings out of buffeting can describe what it means 
sometimes to be a mom, certainly for all of us to be a Christian. And I realize that there are sometimes that moms are even beating themselves up. Mother's Day can be a hard time for a lot of reasons. A Mother's Day can be difficult because someone has lost a mom in the past year. And so I've been praying for some families in our church that have said goodbye and, and see you later to their mother who is now in heaven, and it makes it a very difficult time for them. Uh, Mother's Day can be difficult for moms who are praying and, and, and broken over rebellious kids that are far from home and far from God. Mother's Day can be difficult because you're in the middle of the battle and you have little ones and you're trying to uh, be the best you can for them and it just seems like you never have enough time, you never have enough strength and you're battling fatigue and frustration. Mother's Day can be tough because there's someone who desires greatly to become a mother and it's been a difficult task. And so all kinds of reasons we can feel buffeted rather than encouraged on Mother's Day. And I want to look at this text that I think we can find great encouragement in. And Paul, the Apostle Paul is trying to remind these Christ followers that there's something within you that's greater than that which is seen on the outside. And he would close this text. We didn't look at the final verse to begin with, but he closes in verse 18 in this chapter. He says, we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. And this morning, I want you to think about that which is unseen, that when you get frustrated, when you feel buffeted, when you just feel like this world has whipped you and your kids and everybody else, I want you to think for a moment about those things that are happening that are unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I'll give you some of those things that are unseen this morning. First of all, moms, I want you to know you have a supernatural power in you. I know sometimes you're expected to be a superpower. Sometimes as a mom, you're expected to be a superhero, and we even praise you for that and call you super mom from time to time. But you know that deep in your heart of hearts, sometimes you don't feel like that. And on the outside, you can feel very frustrated, but you have supernatural power in you. And so he points that out in verse 8 of this text when he says, we are pressured on every side, but we're not crushed. Why? Because verse 7 says we have an extraordinary power in us. Where is that extraordinary power? He also calls that extraordinary power that's protecting us from the pressures from without, he calls it a treasure. We have this treasure on the inside of us. What is that treasure? Well, if you go back to verse 6 in the preceding verses, that treasure that is on the inside of you is the gospel itself. It's the person of Jesus Christ himself it's the work of the Holy Spirit living in you. That's the treasure in you, the supernatural power that is in you. So when you say, and when I say, well, we just don't feel like much today, there's nothing wrong with that, because outwardly, we aren't much. Outwardly, it says here, we are jars of clay, or clay pots, or some translations say earthen vessels. And the clay pots in this day and time, were kind of like what we would uh, use a styrofoam cup for today. It was kind of the throwaway material. We're just, we're only as valuable as that which we contain. And so today, moms, I want you to realize that your value is not in how you feel on the outside. Your value is in what Jesus Christ has done on the inside and what he continues to do on the inside, and that is he has become, and the gospel has become in you, 
the supernatural power that can change the world. See, see this word treasure refers to that that is stored in, in places where you would only store that which is the most valuable. What's interesting is we're told to lay up treasures in heaven. Moms often give us a little bit of heaven on earth, a place to store valuable treasure. It's the supernatural power of the gospel in clay pots, earthenware. They're fragile. Now listen, if we're all fragile, if we're all fragile and, and, and yet valuable at the same time, how does that work? Remember in, in 1 Peter chapter 3, we're told, Husbands, honor your wives, dwelling with them with understanding as with the, and it uses this phrase, and a lot of times women don't like us to point out, it says, as, as with a weaker vessel. And the ladies are like, what do you mean weaker? Man, I could whoop that fellow if you just turned me loose. Weaker had to do, a weaker vessel at that time would describe like what we would sometimes refer to our, our fine china in the home. It's fragile. It's not speaking of value because our fine china in the home is very valuable, but you handle with care. And, and so men are reminded to love their wives and to dwell with them in an understanding way, to give honor to them as that valuable but fragile vessel. And so ladies, sometimes you feel so fragile. You just feel like you're going to shatter, like you're going to break. But let me encourage you, that even speaks more to your value than you realize and how much honor you are worthy of. And this extraordinary power, he says, God is displaying in you. Mom's superpower then becomes her gospel impact on the next generation. And it's the super natural power that helps you survive the pressures, as we saw in verse 8. We're pressured on every side, hard-pressed. That was the language used to describe grapes that were crushed in a wine press. And the press comes down and just, just crushes the juice and the life and everything out of the grape. And he says, we're pressured like that, yet we're not crushed. We're pressured. We're, we're hard-pressed on all sides or in every way. The root of this word for pressure comes from a word that means to be crowded like everything coming in on you at once. Moms, have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like, listen, I might could handle this, I might could handle that, I might could even handle this, but everything is coming in on me. Everything is pressuring me at one time. And in that context, it's the gospel. It's not, it's not your outward it's not you being a fragile vessel that is going to hold it all together. It is Christ in you, that treasure that is the light, the hope of glory. That's what's going to hold it all together. As the gospel sustains you, you become a vessel of that gospel that when, when the pressures come in, what is squeezed out of you is more of Jesus and the gospel of Jesus Christ. So these pressures, by the way, are common to all of us. Here are some of the top stressors when moms were asked, what, what are the top stressors that you face on a regular basis? Moms say that they're worried about cash flow. Moms say that they're worried about the kids' well-being, their health, and their future. Moms say that they're worried about a kid's behavior. It's interesting that moms 
worry so much more than the dads about a child's behavior. Just a warning to the children. If dad gets upset, you may say, but my dad's the better disciplinarian. Man, he can just wear my tail out. But do you realize, here, here's how it kind of works. This is, moms will say it's a high level of stress, the kid's behavior. Dads are, will say it's somewhere right around here. So, so a child can be misbehaving. And I, I guarantee you this will be the way it works in some of your homes, and I'm sure it's worked in my home this way. A child can be misbehaving, and dad's not even noticing it. He's watching the ball game or cleaning his guns or something. I don't know, but a child's misbehaving, and dad's like, what, what? And so the, the behavior of the child is not bothering dad so much. And the kid's sitting there going, well, then why does dad give me such a swift discipline? It's because eventually it's the behavior of the child that stresses mom out. And when dad can handle a misbehaving child and it not bother him so much, dad can only deal with stressed out mom so long. And so sometimes as kids, you're like, okay, dad don't look too upset. I think I'm okay here. You better watch out if mom's upset. Because if mama ain't happy, that's right, ain't nobody happy. And so, so moms say that one of the things that really stress them out is a child's behavior. And so dad will discipline the child before he might even be ready to discipline the child to keep peace with mom. Can I get an amen? And so if mom is stressed out, if it's pressure, a lot of times dad's like, okay, I guess I better step up to the plate here. I didn't think I'd upset you too much, but you upset mama. And sometimes as men, we just have to say, and she's my wife. And she was here before you were. And if it weren't for her, you wouldn't even be here. And so I'm going to discipline you to keep peace in my home. Straighten up. And so moms say that's one of the top stressors, cash flow, kids being well and healthy, kids' behavior. Moms are stressed when the house is a mess. Our young adults studied the love languages in my Wife's love language is acts of service. And I can offer her foot rubs. I can offer her a, a nice meal, a nice date, nice dinner on the town. But if I really want to make my wife happy, I could do the dishes. I could fold some laundry because that's one of the top stresses in the life of a woman. So this Mother's Day, some of you are saying, I just couldn't give, couldn't afford to give as much as I'd like. Do some laundry, wash some dishes. Help mom out around the house. That's one of her top stressors. Also, time for herself and friends. A lot of times young mothers find themselves saying, what friends? Because it's hard to time find for friends anymore, so maybe you can relieve some of that stress. See, pressures come in on every side, and yet somehow she holds it all together. Moms begin to stress out about physical appearance and just being the wife they're supposed to be because they're so busy trying to be the mom they're supposed to be. So pressures come from every size, side, but it says they're not crushed. How do, the, how do moms in the world, those in a secular article, in a secular uh, periodical that said that you know, nothing about Christ being in you, how do moms respond? Well, sometimes Christian moms respond the same way. 43% of moms say they respond to all these pressures by yelling. They say, you know when the, 43%, you know when the stress, you know when the pressure's getting to us because we're going to start screaming and hollering. 41% say they deal with it by eating. 38% say they begin to binge watch television. 38%, over a third of women say that that's how they deal with the pressures of stress. That's why we need the gospel. It's got to be that we turn to Christ. 26% said they light a cigarette. That's more than I thought it would be. 
Kids are misbehaving, so mom goes and lights up. Only 6%, this was lower than I thought it would be, but only 6% say they have to grab an alcoholic beverage to deal with the stress, to deal with the pressures in life. And I would hope for Christians that it would be much less than 6%. How many are godly in their response? 12% of women. Which, by the way, is higher than the percentage for men. 12% of women in America today say that they turn to prayer and the Word of God and their devotion in life to deal with the pressures in life. And ladies, I believe that this place is full of women who are part of that 12% that realize that we have a treasure on the inside of us that help us overcome the pressures and stress. He goes on to say we're perplexed. Perplexed means we don't know what to do. We find ourselves in situations where we say, I don't know what to do, but he says we are not hopeless because Christ in us is that treasure. He's the hope of glory. Moms, you ever felt that way? You felt perplexed. I don't know what to do. Greater is he that is in you. We are persecuted, verse 9 says, but not struck down. Or or we're persecuted, not abandoned. We're struck down. We're not destroyed. Moms tend to stay in the fight. Christians, Christ followers, should stay in the fight because the one who is living in us is doing something that is supernatural. So there's a supernatural power that is unseen but demonstrated by how you respond with all of these pressures and stresses in life. But secondly, I want you to see that you are and can be a selfless person in this world. You are and can be, I think probably uh, our moms have pictured selflessness to us more than anybody in our lives. Since we always carry the death of Jesus in our body, so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in us, in verse 10. Moms being a life-giving vessel in this world requires them to have a moment of dying to themselves. In verses 11 and 12 kind of fit with Galatians 2.20, but in 11 and 12 he says, For we who live are always given over to death. We're always having to die to self because of Jesus, so that Jesus' life may be revealed in our mortal flesh. When I can't, I die to self, and then God can, is what he's saying. So death works in us, but life in you as a result of that. In Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. That's selflessness. I'm dying to self. Crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live, but Christ now lives in me. That's the treasure principle. The treasure is Christ in me. He's now living in me and living through me. Paul would say in Galatians 2.20, the life I now live in the flesh What is the flesh there? It's the jar of clay, the vessel that God's given me to live in. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the attitude of a mom. It should be the attitude of all believers. Our dying to self to allow Christ's work to be manifest in us. It's a selflessness, being a selfless person in this world. In verses 13 through 15, we see for the apostles it was more that we, we learn to live by grace and, and that we proclaim that grace. It's going to cause sacrifice, dying to self. And since we have the same spirit of faith in accordance with what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. I came to faith in Christ. I became a vessel of that faith. We are the, to take that treasure, the gospel, Jesus in us, and we're to pass that on to the next generation. And so when moms begin to die to themselves, they demonstrate the gospel, they live the gospel, and they pass on the gospel. He says, we also believe, therefore we speak. We came to know Christ and we pass it on to you. 
knowing that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and present us with you. Paul's talking about the impact the apostles had on the churches as missionaries. I, I can't think of anyone who has greater influence on an individual than that person's mother. And so our moms have impact. We used to joke and say, uh, you know, like I did when I was little, I had a drug problem growing up. My mom drugged us to church whether we wanted to go or not. Moms have great influence and impact on the next generation, the person that they're closest to from the moment they're conceived, hears and sees the gospel demonstrated in a mother's selflessness. For all this is because of you, so that grace extended through more and more people, may cause thanksgiving to overflow to God's glory. It's not just for moms, it's for all of us. Die to self, let Christ live in and through us and make him known to the world. It calls for a certain selflessness. Moms are always sacrificing to put her kids first, to put their husbands first, put their family first. And in sacrificing, they're picturing the gospel in that they're dying to self. Jesus died for us so that we might live. Moms die to self so that they might be life-giving vessels for the next generation. Well, let's admit it. We don't always feel like dying to ourselves. Not any man or woman in here this morning always feels like dying to self. Uh, years ago, I, I shared the, the, um, the story of the, the mother who said that she wished she were a mama bear. I thought I'd bring that back this morning. Some of you haven't heard this. But it's how we honestly feel sometimes. This mother says, I wish I were a mother bear. You get to hibernate for six months as a mother bear. But, for, but before you do, you eat yourself stupid. Everyone knows a mama bear means business. You swat anybody who bothers your cubs. And you swat your cubs too if they get out of line. I mean, this might be the, the, the thing that appealed to most of the ladies. Your husband expects you to growl at him every morning when you wake up. Your husband expects excess fat and hairy legs. In fact, he rather likes it. Sometimes we don't feel like dying to self, do we? Sometimes we just feel like, I'm just going to let it all go. Thank you for sacrificing, moms. And all of us should take time today to thank our moms for their selflessness because they are picturing the gospel in their selflessness. They deprive themselves of things like sleep from staying up when you have that first child and talking with a young child through their fears, their sickness, or waiting up on that teenager that should have been home hours ago. Moms give up and sacrifice a lot of sleep for their children. Social opportunities, opportunities to put yourself first. It's a sacrifice that often pictures the gospel. Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. He laid it aside. So sometimes moms picture that gospel element when they lay aside social opportunities for the sake of being there for their kids. Sometimes it's just the preferred food on the table. It's saying that you really don't want that last piece of chicken because that boy's having his fourth piece. Sometimes it's alone time. And some moms this morning are going, what, what alone time? 
Does somebody else get that? Sometimes it's bed space because of a little one crawling into bed again after a bad dream. Sometimes it's career opportunities because the greatest calling is to be that wife and mother first. Sometimes it's your health and your own well-being because you're taking care of everybody else. And every act of self-sacrifice once again pictures the gospel that Christ is living in you. And I would say that you couldn't do this on a regular basis without that treasure on the inside. And in a world that says, hey, you can have it all, moms are coming along saying, I've got it all when I've got my kids and my family. Christian moms take up a cross and follow Christ. They sacrifice popularity, cool points, and easy roads in order to hold high and godly standards and point their kids to Jesus. That's sacrifice. You are a selfless person in this world, Mom, and we thank you for that. You might come to the conclusion of this text and you ask, well, is it worth it? Let me say this in closing. You will have a sensational payday in eternity. You will have a sensational payday in eternity. Look at verse 16 again. Therefore, we do not give up. Even though the outward person is being destroyed, the inner person is being renewed day by day. If you focus on the inside, you realize that payday even comes this side of heaven. Proverbs says in, verse 30, in chapter 31, verse 30, Charm is deceitful and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. That passage I read to husbands a moment ago, 1 Peter 3, 7, before you get to that in verses 3 and 4, Peter was saying, don't let your adornment be merely outward. Let it be the, that hidden person of the heart, that gentle and quiet spirit. Let it be that treasure that's on the inside of you. That's what God is rewarding. Verse 17, for our momentary light affliction, I know, Mom, it doesn't seem momentary. Sometimes it seems like an eternal purgatory sometimes. But he says, our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. You're going to receive a crown, Mom. It will all be worth it all one day when you hear the well done of God because of a life that glorified Him. That's not your perspective from May 8th 2016, some of you, some of you, you're looking outwardly. Look at verse 18. So we do not focus on what is seen. We can't just look outwardly. We've got to focus on what is unseen, what God's doing on the inside. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen, the treasure principle, the treasure working in you, the treasure working and flowing through you as a vessel, as a clay pot. God's doing something, and it will be worth it all watched a movie again last night. I want to show a, a scene, a clip from the end of the movie, uh, from the movie Mom's Night Out. And see if this clip reminds you of, of where you've been. We'll be worth it all. 
Sometimes you might feel that way. Think of the old hymn, when I say those words, it will be worth it all. Is it worth it? Sometimes the day seems long. Our trials hard to bear. We're tempted to complain, to murmur, and despair. But Christ will soon appear to catch his bride away in tears forever over in God's eternal day. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. It will be worth it all when we see him. Our life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of his dear face, all sorrow will erase. So, moms, bravely run the race till we see Christ. Let's pray.